0: Hello, good morning and welcome. My name is Graham, and I'm delighted to be with you all today as we start these journeys into asking what it is to be really free. Free from constraints and conformity, free from constant testing and peer pressure, and free from unsafe and uninspiring school environments. Free to let children explore the world around them through play, cooperation and inspiration. Free to let children learn naturally following their innate curiosity and endless creativity
1: we come to see that learning isn't
0: about doing well at school it's about engaging with life i'll be here for you and i will serve you and i will carry your message around as we continue to live in truth Many of us have faced unrelenting fears over the last year that have and continue to test the very essence of our being. As parents, it could be said that having the innocence and curious nature of a child to reflect upon in these challenging times can make the outside trauma seem unworthy of our attention, yet clearly they cannot be ignored when infecting so many parts of our daily lives. We are reminded that the path of life can be winding and we are not promised anything in our time here. As listeners to the show, us parents awake to the ideas of freedom and setting a life course for our children to live in creativity and joy. We can seem at odds against all the unrelenting fear and control seen in so many families today. That is why it is fitting and a pleasure to have our guest today shine light on the very fundamental ingredients needed when pursuing a life of truth, harmony and liberty. That is the value found in voluntary, non-coercive ways of living. Today, we welcome Skylar Collins, the man behind the website Everything Voluntary, which expands all ideas of constructing a voluntary society that will ultimately lead to a peaceful and prosperous world we are also longing for. Skylar takes us through his journey of realization, of changing his parenting style of punishments and rewards, to building family relationships of peaceful, respectful, voluntary interactions. We see how children's automatic response is becoming autonomous, critical-thinking individuals with a sense of self-direction and self-reliance, so much needed in today's world. This is our time to change course of the overreaching and never-ending control systems offered today, with threats of violence if we dare to ask questions and make decisions for ourselves based on personal responsibility and local community outlooks. So please, stay strong and stand sure, and if you can, share these philosophies with anyone questioning how society has become this maze of fear and distrust, and what we can do to raise the next generation of self-governing, thoughtful and free human beings. Thank you for listening. So welcome to the show, Sheila. how are you doing today? I'm doing very well, thank you so
1: much for inviting me on.
0: We'd just like to start off by asking our guests here, if aiming at parents looking for alternatives to uh, the current school system they might be in, not completely happy with that. Just looking back on your own experience, how do you look back at that? Was it a mixture of positives and negatives and uh, what's the most useful things you find you use today?
1: Well. Probably, you know, the, the skills I learned early on, you know, reading, writing, arithmetic, uh, probably. I mean, uh, the skills that I use today, you know, especially in the, you know, as far as my job is concerned, are skills that I taught myself um, really outside of school. And a lot of that has to do with computers. And, I, you know, computers were not really a part of my schooling uh, back, you know, late, late 80s through the 90s. I mean, once in a while we, we got away from the classroom and got to go into the computer lab and play uh, games like Oregon Trail, you know, but that was that was a very minimal thing. And so when we got our first computer, I was about, I think I was about maybe 11, 12 years old. Um, you know, that's where the autodidactism uh, in myself really sort of blossomed and I explored it. I broke it a few times, got in trouble for that, but really just was able to figure a lot of stuff out and that's served me very well as far as my schooling experience um uh, you know the the best years were probably the earliest years um i think you know preschool uh, kindergarten first grade second grade and then at some point you know it it became less of a place I cared to be, um, particularly through middle school and high school, uh, were not very good years for me. I mean, it it became a chore. It became, you know, me having to go and do things I had no interest in and having to, you know, take up a lot of my time with homework, you know, testing, turning things in, you know, your standards, you know, what, what school expects of you. And it really, uh, it it just was, was something I looked less and less forward to every day and every year. Um, and my focus, my interests were definitely outside of school with, with other things going on. I mean, especially as I learned to drive, I became interested in cars and kind of, you know, explored that sort of thing and schooling really. I mean, I, I, any, any opportunity I, I could, I could take to where, I could structure my day around things that interest me, such as computer classes and this and that, I would, I would do that. But even those were well, well beneath where I was at, you know, skill wise. And, and so they really just became easy grades for me. And there really wasn't any challenge there. And um, I guess, you know, being able to meet people, make friends, I guess that's probably one of the positive aspects, but you know i don't i don't see how school's really required from that it's just sort of a circumstantial thing i guess but
0: sure sure and you you've unschooled your children from from the absolute beginning have you or have they ever had any um, attendance in public schools
1: yeah, my my son is my oldest is 12 now. When he was 6, we did put him in a preschool that that took place at the local elementary school and he he did that for a year. And then it was over that next summer that I had, you know, discovered, you know, some new parenting practices and you kind of did a 180 on on what we were doing in the home in regards to that and from there, you know, just discovered You know the the unschooling world and there's a little bit of a process there that we can get into but so he he ended up going to he was accepted into a dual immersion program with english and spanish and and spanish is actually his first language my wife is from mexico and so you know spanish is what we always spoke to our babies and then as they grew up they adopted both languages and so being in a dual immersion and kind of helping to you know keep that was you know it was it was you know, an interest of ours at the time. So he was accepted into that and he went to kindergarten for a week and then we went on family vacation and it was kind of during that time that my wife and I decided to give him the option of either staying home and we would go on this unschooling journey or he could go back and, you know, so we posed the question to him, left it up to him and he he chose to stay home. And, and that's, that's what started that. Right. Do you remember any of the reasons he gave at that time? Um, yeah, he, it was over that summer that he started to learn really how to use a computer and to play games like Minecraft and Roblox and some of these things. And so I think the prospect of being able to explore that as much as he wanted, instead of, you know, going to school and, and sitting down and, you know, I, I think it was a real uh, big part of that poll to stay home, knowing that he would, he would have un Unfettered access to that sort of thing,
0: right, right. And um, going back to your decisions to unschool or your immersion in the, in the whole world of um, the philosophies, do, is there any place you can remember you started? Anyone in particular that really grabbed your attention?
1: Yeah, certainly. I, I would say that that uh, that that leg of of my you know philosophical journey that I've been on over the last fifteen years. Um, started when a friend of mine introduced me to a book by Alfie Cohn titled The Unconditional, or excuse me, titled Unconditional Parenting. And it was that book that was instrumental in getting me to to uh, look at how I was raising my kids. And at the time I was, I was raising them, uh, particularly my son. I mean, my daughter was only about, you know, one or two. So she was just an infant coming into toddlerhood. But with my son, it was very, um, Authoritarian at times, and then playful at other times. That's just my personality is playful, but right. I was raised, you know, very authoritarian. So that, you know, when when you know toddlers and, and growing children start to cause uh, frustrations in parents as 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 they do you know, how you were raised sort of starts to come to the surface and those are the tools you reach for. And so I was reaching for timeouts. I was reaching for spankings and reaching for, yell. you know, just yelling and raging. And, and I didn't, I didn't like that. And it was actually kind of inside me. It was, it was in conflict with some other principles that I held. So, when I, when my friend introduced me to Alfie Cohn and I I read that and he also had a DVD presentation that he he gave, I guess, to a group of parents um, on the same, on the book as well. And so we bought that, my wife and I watched that together. Um, We read the book together and that's just, you know, just the practical arguments that he gave against, you know, these authoritarian and punitive tools is really what changed my mind. And so now, Going forward, you know, like I said, it was 180. We weren't doing that anymore, and you know, we were looking for you know other other tools to help us in that regard. Um, so I, I think uh, doing that, you know, was was a, was a very beneficial thing. Um, and it was, you know, now that we were in this mindset of not using punishments and not using rewards, we came up against the idea of schooling, which you know, a big component of that is. You know, threatening punishments and promising rewards. I mean, so, so that's when it was like, you know, we're doing it, we're, we're, we made this change at home. We're, we're doing things differently. And now we're going to send him to a place that's going to go back to hmm. the old way. Okay. And, and so that conflict is, is really what got me looking at alternatives to, uh, you know, the schooling system.
0: Right. And um I know everyone can definitely go to your website, everythingvoluntary.com. There's a whole host of articles there from such great authors. Um was that was that natural progression and as you continued your unschooling journey you felt that that, that was needed just to have one place to put all this together?
1: Yeah, exactly. It was it was really after that time that I decided to embrace peaceful parenting, uh, which is the non authoritarian approach to to raising kids. It's kind of called peaceful parenting. I mean, I guess there's some other names for it, too, respectful parenting, um, as well as the unschooling. That I decided that you know that together with my political and economic views really it, you know kind of makes it all all into one complete picture um, centered around this idea of what's called the voluntary principles. So I, that's when I decided, you know, I want to make a website. I want to have resources for all these things from the the parenting and the unschooling to, to the economics and the politics, uh, the philosophy side and just have sort of a, a central location where people can be introduced to this and if there's somebody coming from the philosophical political side then they'll be introduced to the parenting and the unschooling and vice versa if somebody's coming from the parenting unschooling you know maybe they'll get a a little bit of uh, the philosophy and the politics.
0: Yes I know that's definitely subjects you go into so thoroughly on the website and maybe parents don't see the the correlation and the need to understand how we educate and raise our children is, is is so entwined with the philosophy of the of the voluntary principle if um if no one's ever heard of this or they're not too familiar with the term could you just go in into a bit more detail for us
1: yeah, absolutely. The voluntary principle is very simple. It's it's the idea that all human relations should happen voluntarily. And by voluntarily, that means by mutual consent. Now, the voluntary principle has applications in all sorts of different things. Like I said, it has applications in the political realm and how we organize society. It has application in the economic realms and how we allow business to uh, and, and trade in exchange to take place and it has implications in the parenting realm as far as how we're raising our children. And I think that when the voluntary principle is violated, when people are using coercion and aggression towards, towards each other, that's where you start to see problems in society, particularly when these, when this principle is violated in how we're raising our children. I think that when uh, children are raised in an authoritarian environment, Um, whether that's, you know, hands off or if, if it includes spanking that tends to create trauma and trauma creates broken people and broken people are much more likely to use violence and aggression to meet their needs as they get older than people who did not suffer those things. And so I think it's extremely important that the voluntary principle is observed and practiced in all realms of life.
0: Right right. Yeah, so so true, ring so true. I just wonder when um you made that change with your your son's um upbringing, was there any um change in him? Do was there any rebellion when he suddenly to have all this freedom that he perhaps didn't have before?
1: No, I don't think so. I mean, he's uh, his personality rise. I mean, he's a he's a fairly playful person. He's he's hasn't really, I I mean, there, there, of course there are times where, you know, we disagree on things and it it becomes, you know, sort of either a negotiation or a frustration on one or the other side. And it's just a matter of sort of trying to avoid, you know, getting angry and and instead listen to one another and just really talk about it. And that's, that's really how we do things now. And so as far as any sort of rebellion to things um, now, I, I really didn't see much of that. I mean, he was, you know, of course, he was totally happy for me not to be putting him in timeout or spanking him anymore. So, you know, I yeah, I I don't I don't think that there's really been any issue with that.
0: Okay, and um, uh, maybe some of our listeners are aware of unschooling philosophies. Um, it, on your website, and understand you do practice this of the idea of radical unschooling. So, I was just wonder if you could give us more of an idea of how that looks in day to day life. Do you do you have any curriculums you follow, or are there any kind of objective set or how how do you sort of see your day to day life?
1: Sure. Yeah. So when it really, the difference between um, homeschooling and unschooling is, is a matter of, you know, uh, I guess you could say parent uh, created structure in, in the, you know, what activities their kids are doing um, and whatnot. Uh, Unschooling really kind of frees that up. And, you know, if a child you know, really want structure and wants the parent to, to, to create structure, then that's fine. It's not, it's not against the rules, so to speak. Um, and, and there are children, I, I know people that are that way and they really thrive in, in structure versus, you know, not, not having such a clear direction and things that they want to do. Um, radical unschooling really takes the principles of unschooling, um, to a, a, a different level and that level being, other things that go on in the child's life, such as bedtimes, you know, what food he eats, you know, other areas where he has um, the ability to make a choice over what he does or what happens to him. So it's not just concerned with the academics, so to speak. It's really just everything that they do, applying the principles of unschooling, which are interest based, um, letting the child lead, um, helping them understand um, you know, what the consequences of, are of whatever choice they do happen to make, but still allowing them with, with, with you being there to shield them to some extent to the bad consequences. Um, and, uh, you know, letting them make those choices and learn from that, um, you know, really allow them to do that. Not just with academics, like I said, but with, you know, all areas of their life is kind of what I would say radical unschooling is, um, you know, compared to just unschooling, where maybe the parent still does exercise some, some control or some, some authority over, you know, bedtimes, meal times, what they eat, when they eat it, how much they eat, you know, that sort of thing.
0: Right. And that's something that all your, your children have fallen into naturally. They've never, um, I, I think a lot of parents listening might think, well, if you don't have guidelines of what your kids eat, they're going to, have a terrible diet, but we, we had Dr. Riki on the, on the show and he, he explains, he does exactly that to his, his daughters who have a, a more balanced diet than he does. So is, is that something you see with your children as well?
1: Yeah, their, their diet is certainly balanced and they they, they, you know, we don't control, you know, how much candy they eat, how much ice cream they eat, you know, we've, we we do not control any of that. And, you know, I don't, I don't know if, were just an exception to the rule. I don't think so, but they they don't ever go wild with it. In fact, ha, you know, Halloween just happened. They got a bunch of candy. They ended up selling half of it to my mother-in-law who who needed candy for her own trick-or-treaters. Uh, they, we, we did some trunk-or-treats a few days prior, so they had a ton of candy before Halloween. So she they sold some off to her, and then the rest is sitting there, and they maybe pick one or two pieces a day. Every year over the last five years, we end up throwing away most of it because they just uh, they just we know we, we don't restrict it um, there aren't other areas of the life their lives that they're trying to escape from and so sure. they don't go crazy with and as far as uh, you know the rest of their diet I guess our, our only concern right now and, and it, it it might not even be a rational concern is that it doesn't seem like they're eating enough they're very skinny and it's just one of those things where it's like you know we wonder if they're eating enough. They're they have a, a lot of energy. They're very happy, so I I think we're okay. And they just don't really have the appetites. I you know and I don't know if just not really you know being uh, force feeders so to speak has contributed to that or not. But uh, yeah, that's where it is. I mean, there are times where they tell us they're hungry and then they end up eating uh, you know a lot, and then other times where they're just not hungry and and they don't eat. So it's it's interesting. It's it's never it's not really an issue, but I think it's it's not an issue because as parents, we've just stepped back and said, you know, we're not going to push them and and force them to eat and that sort of thing, which is which is what you see everywhere.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Is that the same for bedtimes? Is that kind of just organically happens where they just put themselves to bed?
1: Yeah, um we have kind of an interesting lifestyle right now where we do rent out our primary residence through Airbnb and so we're we you know we're not there too often and and even when we are we've we've kind of done the the single bedroom bed sharing type of uh you know practice and so we were always you know we for the last probably 5 6 years we've kind of done that and so you know we we watch a couple of shows together as a family you know around you know, we try to start around eight eight thirty in the evening, um, and you know, we watch shows that everybody likes. And so, it's you know, there's that intrinsic uh, pull to to come do that with us. If somebody was really into something and they didn't want to leave it, then we'd be okay with that. We try to watch a show that they maybe don't like as much, and they don't care if they miss an episode. But we'll we'll do that. We'll spend you know and an hour an hour and a half watching some shows together and then we just go downstairs get ready for bed read a story and we just we just go to bed together And that's just kind of how it's it's always been now there are times where um you know one of one of my kids will have a friend sleep over and they'll just stay upstairs and be able to do whatever as long as they're quiet they can you know stay up as long as they want and uh you know, either either game or or watch TV or or whatever it is, and then go to bed on their own. So, and sometimes they do that together, um, anyway. So,
0: if a family weren't adopting these principles from from the very beginning, do you think it might be hard for kids to to adjust to that, or is that something? It would just maybe be a transitional period, and then the kids would learn. Okay, now
1: now I need to put myself to bed. Um, I think the difficulty would be more on the parent's side <laughs> than on the children's side. I think, you know, at least I remember growing up and I, I see it in my nephews, you know, whenever, you know, the parent comes, comes saying, you know, it's bedtime, you need to put that stuff away and, and get ready for bed. The kid's always, you know, kind of, you know, opposed to that. They're, they're let down in some way because either they're involved with something or they just, mm-hmm. they're just not feeling tired and they don't want to do it. But since they have to get up so early for school, they have to do it. So, you know, I think, I think that the children would be, would be fine. I don't think it would be difficult for them to, to not be forced to go to bed early. The parents, um, you know, may, may have more of the challenge as far as um, you know, when, when they do need things quiet, how can we negotiate with our kids and help them understand that um, and make sure that, that we won't be disturbed and that sort of thing. So I think the I think the real challenge would be on the side of the parents, not so much for the kids
0: yeah yeah that makes sense actually well that's great um i was wondering just wanted just to, to end if you've got any advice for parents that might be looking for alternatives and they might have started this journey uh they might have some fears or their family and friends might be doubtful this is a a realistic way to 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 live and um just might feel overwhelmed but uh hearing how harmonious your family life sounds it's uh yeah, it's really inspirational. I was just wondering if you could give any advice to parents looking for alternatives. Well,
1: I would say um, you've got to do two things. Um, and it doesn't, I don't, I don't know, maybe for some people the order makes a difference. But for me, it was, you know, i I, I came to an understanding of the principles first and then I sought um, the experience in in terms of meeting other unschoolers and meeting families, meeting kids, meeting adults who were raised this way and sort of, you know, getting comfortable about the idea Um, or you could flip that around and just go out there, find groups in your area, you know, go to the, go to the meetups, talk to the parents, see the kids, talk to the kids. Um, you know, there's, there's plenty of ways to, to find unschooling, unschoolers who are either in the thick of it or were raised this way and really, you know, kind of get their experience from them and just really, um, understand it from that personal level. Um, and then, and then maybe after that you read some stuff and then, you know, there's any number of things that I could recommend in that regard.
0: Yeah, that would be great. If you could just give us a, a couple of recommendations.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, on the parenting front, I highly recommend um, Unconditional Parenting by Alfie Cohn. Um, that's, that's kind of a, a foundational level um, introduction to, you know, not using punishments or rewards to manipulate and control your children. From there, I would spring into a book called Parent Effectiveness Training by Thomas Gordon. That's more of the how-to implement peaceful parenting principles and you know what you do once you get rid of the old tools you're looking for new tools that's the book I recommend for that so that's those are the two parenting um, resources I recommend. That's great and
0: obviously your website everyone can go there and your podcast can you just um, give them your contact details?
1: Yeah absolutely Uh, everythingvoluntary.com it will redirect to everything-voluntary.com but it's pretty easy to remember, everythingvoluntary.com or schuylerjcollins.com. There are links to get in touch with me if you'd like. I did want to say also on the unschooling side, as far as resources, I highly recommend Free to Learn by Peter Gray. He's an evolutionary psychologist and has been promoting this idea of self-directed education for a very long time. It's a fantastic book. It Part of the book looks at our evolution as a species and how integral and important the practice of play is in childhood development. So I highly recommend that. The second thing is the collection of books by Pam LaRicchia on, um, you know, unschooling, putting it into practice. And you can find that at livingjoyfully.ca. And maybe in
0: the future, you can come back and uh, give us a overview of the, uh, of the books you've written as well. The testimonials of the unschooling dad sounds fascinating. So thanks for your time today. I look forward to speaking to you again. You're very welcome. And thank you for having me. I hope you got as much out of that talk as I did, an excellent introduction to where we are now and where we could be. Please check your inbox, we'll be back in touch very shortly for much more inspiration for you to start your journey into homeschooling, child-led learning and liberty. If you know of any families looking for alternatives to school, please give them our information homeschoolingandliberty.com and they are more than welcome to join us on this journey. We'll see you real soon, cheers. It's beckoning now Calling us with this new song Yeah, you gotta listen what it has to say
1: It will guide you along Yeah, you gotta put yourself first every time And she will catch you when you
0: fall Yeah, you gotta love yourself from within Love yourself till you're full Yeah, yeah, you gotta take the power back
1: ask yourself this question. What is so amazing and wonderful at government-run schools that you would send your children there to be taught by essentially strangers, a curriculum over which you have no authority or control? How would you like to be a part of your children's learning? You were a part of your children's learning is colors, how she ties her shoes, what is a butterfly, why mommy loves her. Why would you not want to continue to be a part of that? Look at what you've been told for so long that you have to say, well, maybe maybe they're not right and maybe your instincts are right. Unlearn those things.
0: This is about human rights and endowing children with dignity and agency and autonomy. Um, and, and then guess what? As a side benefit, it works. <laughs>